0: Welcome to the 2023 World PICU Awareness Week podcast on sepsis. Created by the European Society of Pediatric Neonatal Intensive Care and promoted by the World Federation of Pediatric and Critical Care Societies, each episode will host a short interview with key European opinion leaders on preventing and managing pediatric sepsis in PICU and NICU.
1: Hello, my name is Gabriella Bottari. I am a pediatric intensivist at the Children's Hospital Bambino Gesù in Rome, and I will be your host for this episode. During today's podcast, I will be speaking with Maria Jose Lozano from Gregorio Magagnolo University Hospital. Maria is a pediatric intensivist in Madrid, Spain. So thank you, Maria, to be here today with us.
0: Thank you very much, Gabriella. I'm be- really pleased to be here with you today.
1: Our today's podcast is on PQ management of pediatric sepsis. So, Maria, my first uh, question for you is uh, how the last guidelines on pediatric septic shock management edited in 2020 changed, in your opinion, our practice? Could you discuss with us the key points?
0: Yes, in my opinion, every edition of these guidelines help us a lot. The experts panel present strong recommendations that provide evidence-based care, but in pediatric care uh, also they tell us about in our practice estimates that are a good guidance. I like especially the table that inform us about knowledge gas- gaps and research opportunities. It is a very good uh, resume of this. Our group is now working on one of these knowledge gaps to compare plasma change in septic shock and, and other depression therapies. So this is very important for us. I think these guidelines have encouraged the development of the sepsis uh, codes with early warnings and sepsis rapid response teams I think a lot of pediatric centers have implemented this systematic screening for timely recognition of septic shock and also disempower healthcare professionals mostly nurses that are in triage rooms to seek rapid medical review. And of course, that screening tool should be adapted to the resources and type of patients uh, within each institution. But I think that will help to an early attention and delivery of the bundle of steps. Also, the antimicrobial stewardship programs, this daily assessment that now we are doing in our units for the escalation of antimicrobial therapy. I think these guidelines were good for that. They recommend to narrow the empiric antimicrobial therapy coverage when, when you know the pathogen and the sensibilities. Also, uh, now we optimize better the antimicrobial dosing strategies with therapeutic drug monitoring. That is something that, based on published pharmacokinetic data, I think other European groups are working, and our group are working now to have more data about how to adjust or not the antibiotic to a pediatric patient on CRT, on ECMO. We need more. Data about that, and, and SNCC is working on that too. And for example, uh, we have learned from pharmacokinetic data that we have to extend infusions of beta lactams. You know? That is something that could change the sepsis of a patient. And also about vasoactive medications. This spread suggests using epinephrine or norepinephrine rather than dopamine in children with septic shock. And this is something that uh, changed years ago. But now, when the patient doesn't respond, uh, they suggest to add vasopressin. And I would like to know how is it working, you know, because that's something new for me, you know, for um, in our unit, we we just start to use vasopressin. That is Mm -hmm. something that we need more data about. I also think that guidelines help us to use less blood products. Also, taxi guidelines help us uh, in this situation. And now, in septic shock uh, patients, the hemoglobin threshold is seven in an hemodynamically stabilized child. No? But uh, stabilized is no increase in vasoactive medication for the last two hours. No? So, so, seven is a low threshold for um, different than years ago. No? And also, now we don't use prophylactic plasma or platelets if the patient is not bleeding. I think those. Are the uh, the changes, the improvements that I have seen in recent years that I think are important?
1: Thank you. In fact, uh, mortality in pediatric sepsis uh, and septic shock uh, has uh, decreased uh, in the last uh, year, but uh, is uh, still uh, high uh, in pediatric patients septic shock. Of course. Uh, uh, we are not looking for uh, magic bullet, but uh, do you think there are some clinical strategies, in particular, in refractory septic shock, that last evidence highlighted for clinicians?
0: Yeah, we need a, a game changer, no? but that's, uh, I'm not sure if that is over the table at this moment. There are different approaches for this situation, Blood purification uh, with different systems is one of them. Now, the problem is to define when to start and could they really change the situation no? Now we have a bit evidence that fluid overload is deleterious for our patients. In my experience, fluid restriction is impossible in this situation. Also, a stabilized patients must be fed, so we need to use <clears throat> renal replacement therapy to prevent fluid overload in children with septic shock. You don't have to wait for AKI to use the the renal replacement therapy. It's a waste of time. But to address the timing of CRT initiation is difficult. Clinical studies results are inconclusive, but our practice uh, pattern is to use it earlier because now Mm -hmm. it's easier. Machines are better. Filters are better. We have citrate anticoagulation, so we can do it better and results could be different now. Uh, in addition, certain techniques of continuous blood purification may help to regulate uh, the systemic inflammation. Plasma filtration or absorption filters of the cytos- absorbent or endotoxin removal with polymixin filters, we need to learn when to use them, no? and when to use what. no? And I think this is important for next years. Also, when the patient develops refractory hyposia in the acute respiratory distress syndrome, uh, a benovenous ECMO may help. It always helps. Also, if the patient develops myocardial dysfunction or myocarditis, we should offer a benovenous ECMO random. That's That's what we think now. for all that, we need more research in pediatric hemofiltration, uh, catheters, in percutaneous cannula for pediatric patients. Uh, We need hemofilters with a lower volume. The extravascular volume of the devices is important for pediatric patients, so we need more research.
1: Thank you. I understand that uh, you and your team uh, use very often uh, blood purification uh, as an adjuvant therapy and uh, of course we need uh, more evidence uh, but uh, we are starting in many centers in Europe and together we put uh, together this evidence uh, to have uh, more data is very very important. So the last question for the future, in the last couple of years, uh, we discussed uh, during the meeting a lot on how uh, sepsis phenotypes uh, impact on clinical management of sepsis and sepsis shock. What uh, do you think? We are ready to use the sepsis phenotype in our clinical practice uh, bedside because uh, it seems sometimes something of very far from our clinical practice. What do you think as a pediatric intensivist?
0: Yeah, this will be the, the start of personalized medicine no? in septic shock. No? And, and these uh, phenotypes that are going to evolve differently in time uh, have to be better defined in children no i think adults have a phenotype in more than 20000 patients with sepsis no and a lot of studies no it is possible that this could help us to decide or estimate if a treatment is benefit or have for this patient no depending of your phenotype no that's really interesting but at that moment, <laughs> we couldn't do that in our institution. No? We, we need more data about children no? to be able to do that, in my opinion. For example, we use plasma filtration in patients with the inflammatory phenotype. No? But all we have only some measurements no? in, in, in this first moment no? to decide that. No? We, uh, with, when a patient has high catecholamines, and thrombocytopenia and two-organ dysfunction. In our experience, it may help, but no large randomized control trials have evaluated plasma filtration in pediatric septic shock. You know. Another thing that could be interesting is to have a measure of endotoxin in blood uh, really quickly and routinely. You no, know, I think this, this is something that can help clinicians because these two groups, of uh, patients with endotoxemic shock could be uh, treated no with uh, removal, no, with with a filter that removes the endotoxins. All these things have no, has to be mm, measured for uh, for next years. No, the only thing that we could do now is to rule out that a patient has macrophag activation syndrome uh, because they need different treatments, no, including immunosuppression, and to rule out that has an had typical hemolytic uremic syndrome, no, uh, that yeah. will need a complement blocker, no, but but I think these phenotypes have to be better defined in children, uh, but and they could Provide therapeutical targets and help in the decisions of organ system support.
1: Thank you, Maria. Uh, Thank you to share with us uh, this important concept, uh, your experience, uh, and thank you all uh, to participate in this uh, podcast.
0: Bye bye. Thank you, Gabriela. It has been a pleasure. Thank you very much.